0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill.
2: Welcome to the RotoWire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, you can give us a follow. Follow John at John Littering, J O N L I T T E R I N E. You can follow me at JakeSki52. Today, John and I are going to be making our fantasy picks for the UFC 203 main card. A quick reminder here, just getting started with the podcast. So If you happen to be listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your preferred platform is, uh, please go ahead and leave us a nice rate and review. Uh, Any and all feedback is appreciated. John, thanks for joining me today. Why don't we get right to it here? UFC 205, the big one at Madison Square Garden, that's right around the corner. I'm actually expecting to see some big announcements for that fight during this Saturday's card. Uh, we've already seen some fights start to trickle in a little bit, but anything you're hoping to see for 205?
1: Um, well, the, you know, they announced Robbie Lawler and um, Donald Soroni yesterday. It mm-hmm. sounds like they're close on Chris Weidman and Yoel Romero. It sounds like that's going to happen. I'd love um, to see that one. Yeah that that's coming apparently it's not done yet but that's where it's heading and uh, you know i i think you're going to my guess and that's all this is is that you're probably going to see rumble cormier 2 there somewhere mm-hmm. but um I, you know there's no doubt that they're going to try and stack it up as they should
2: yeah, I mean, do you think it's too early for something? Now, this is way rampant speculation, but you know, you, I've heard a lot of well, maybe Rousey—that's her return. I don't know, and then I've also thought maybe they do McGregor or Alvarez, but that could be kind of early for McGregor. I, just, I like to think about the fantasy matchups in that in that aspect.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't. It does, I don't think you're going to see either either Rousey or McGregor on that card. There's plenty. You know, it's one of those cards where as long as they put big name, you know, put big, you know, fights together and. Like the Cerrone and Lawler fight doesn't, may not make the most sense from, you know, a rankings type standpoint, but it's for, especially for a casual fan and a stylistic fight, you know, that's a really big fight. So I think they're shooting, you know, they're going more for that as far as, and, you know, they'll definitely get it, you know, at least one and probably two title fights on there. So regardless of who they end up on the final card, it's definitely going to be one of those cards where they, you know, they realize they have to make an impact, and they'll stack the whole thing.
2: Yeah, I love the I love the Cowboy Lawler fight. Both those guys are always game to throw down, and and it should be a good one here. And. Just yet another reason to not leave the room in between fights here during Saturday's pay-per-view here. But speaking of 203 here, we're going to go uh, to the main event here from Cleveland, Ohio. We've got Stepe Miocic against Alistair Overeem. DraftKings salaries checking in 10K for Miocic, 9,600 for Overeem. Miocic a slight favorite at minus 135. Overeem a plus 115 dog. Big number that stands out to me here. Odds to finish, minus 515. It's scheduled for five rounds, but chances are we won't. We're not going to see it here. John, how do you see this one playing out?
1: You know, this is close, and I would agree that I don't think this is going to go to the d- distance. And, you know, I said before, there's four or five guys in the heavyweight division right now who I think could realistically be champion. And Cain Velasquez is probably at the top of that heap as far as the best athlete and having the most, all, you know, the best all around game. But I think all the guys are. Fairly interchangeable at this point. That's why you're seeing the title change hands so often. And I picked Miocic in this fight because I just think he's a better athlete. I think his footwork is better. I should the fight go the distance. I have more confidence in him to fight 25 minutes than I do Overeem. And you know the other thing is I think Overeem's best chance of winning. Is certainly to score, you know, an early stoppage with a knockout. Mm-hmm. And Stipe Miocic is just, you know, we've he's he's only been knocked out once in his entire career. And especially, I mean, I guess the Joe San, the Junior Dos Santos fight is the best example. He can just take a beating. I mean, he can you can just pound on Miocic all day long. He's not going anywhere. So um, I like I like Miocic's footwork in the sense that assuming Overeem pushes forward and keeps trying to throw. I like Miocic's ability to get out of the way and, you know, try and make it hard on, on overing to connect. But like I've said, we've said this before, when you get guys who are this size, any one punch can end the fight. And yeah, you know, the Miocic win over, uh, Fabricio Verdum, which won him his title is, that wasn't uh, even a very heavy punch. That was probably the best example. You know, that was, Miocic was on his back foot, um, reaching, you know, like lunging kind of, and he connected and, he knocked for out Cole, And that it was just a case of a punch landing right, you know, correctly in the right spot. But the reason the punch landed right is because you have guys who are so big. So while I don't know, I don't know if me, I think the odds on, you know, this fight are about correct. You know, I don't exactly. think there's a whole huge difference between the two of them. And I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Overeem won. But Overeem's best chance of winning is by knockout, and Miocic has proven to be durable throughout his career so I think this is
2: just one of those where you kind of play the odds mm-hmm. yeah I agree that the odds are right and I think Miocic as the champion and fighting in front of his hometown crowd you brought yes. this up in your preview here yes I didn't
1: be... mention that but I absolutely I think that is a factor
2: mm-hmm. I mean the, the crowd's going to be heavily heavily if you watch any of the scrums or the open workouts everybody's booing Ream and is getting behind their boy Stipe in Cleveland here that's a city just reeling of course from an NBA championship but even before that, Cavaliers Brought it back. stipe did. For me personally, though, I- I'm going to pick Overeem in this fight. And I, I'm, I was on the fence about this. I was back and forth. I think there, there are two big things that uh, made made me steer me in the direction of Overeem. One is he's going to have a little bit of a size advantage. Now you can argue the point that you made here is that Miocic will have the better footwork, quicker footwork. But Overeem will be the bigger man inside of the octagon. And then I always like to look at the camp to Overeem's Jackson Wink product here, and uh, he's going to have he's going to be very well prepared for everything that Stipe brings to the table. There, uh, I mean, you you're ready to negate the size advantage though because of how good Miocic is on his feet.
1: You know, I don't know if I would say I would negate it, but when you have a guy like that who, you know, constantly more or less relies on you know his power, mm-hmm. footwork is really the one thing. That can negate that. Now it's what I said before. You know, I would pick, probably pick Cain Velasquez over any fighter. You know, any, despite any over any heavyweight in the division. And I would agree. Yeah, but once you get to the next three or four guys, you know, I'm talking Miocic and Overeem and Dos Santos and Verdú. You know, once you get to those, you know, that group of guys, I think everyone is fairly interchangeable. You know, I would mm-hmm. wager that sometime within the next, I don't know, 12 months, something like that that Velasquez will regain his title that would be my guess yep so when you get to you know that mm-hmm. you know that next tier so to speak of these guys you know it's kind of there's not much separating any of them so I, I took Mio as I think is the better athlete and I don't I'm, I try not to put too much tack into what you said about as far as hometown stuff but you know the UFC for those who don't know have never held a card in Cleveland ever this is gonna be the first one. And like you said before, before the Cavs won, you know, won you know the NBA title a few months ago, Cleveland has never won anything ever in anything. You know, they just never win. So I think you know having a guy like this who, you know, grew up in Ohio, you know, you know Croatian parents, but he, you know he was born and raised in Ohio. I think having the crowd behind him, well, you know, it's one of those things where it's so close as far as you know who you're picking. You, you kind of look at little
2: things like that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to play a pretty big factor here, and this is the one that I probably struggled with the most as far as picking on the main card. Like I said, you're Miocic, I'm over him, but it could be very, very close here. But- yeah, I, we could both pick the other guy, and you know we wouldn't blink twice. Exactly. Let's check out the co-main event, though. We have another heavyweight matchup here. I like how you mentioned Cain Velasquez in, in our last little segment there because Cain Velasquez is probably going to get the winner of the main event, almost certainly. There's there's little doubt about that after his dominating performance against Travis Brown at UFC 200. But now we got Travis Brown coming back into the octagon. He's going to be replacing Ben Rothwell, who had a dropout with what I believe was a knee injury, so we're gonna see Travis Brown against Fabricio Verdoom. Uh one thing here is that we've seen these two men fight before and Verdoom came out on top. Do you think Verdoom can take care of business again or do we see this playing out a little differently?
1: I see it playing out the same way as the first fight. Um Fabricio Verdoom is thirty nine years old, um which you know we have to certainly mention, but you know he's fought better lately other than, you know, the knockout against Miocic, you know, he's fought better lately than anyone could have reasonably expected for the last probably really since his you know really for the past five years five and a half years he's been great Mm -hmm. but you know what this what this whole thing comes down to is and i've said this before i am not a travis brown guy i'm i just i don't think i don't think there's anything there um i'm not even sure he's a top 10 heavyweight at this point i think he's ranked seventh or somewhere around there on, on the ufc rankings but he just – the guy shows no constant improvement to me.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean he he's lost hit. two out of his last three and the only win in there was Mitrione, which was – where he was constant eye pokes, which I, I don't know about that he, one. But he
1: is kind of – to me at least, it seems like he's – has he built his entire career on – in a, you know, a five-month span in 2013, he scored first-round knockout wins over Overeem and Josh Barnett. And it seems like he has built his entire career on that. He gets hit too much, which is to be expected for a guy who's six seven. You know, it's hard to get out of the way, and he just he doesn't he doesn't do much. Mm -hmm. He kind of and facing a guy like Verdum, who you know has some of the best submission skills in and certainly in the heavyweight division. You know, really in all of the sport. You know, it's, he just doesn't, Brown just, he does just doesn't accomplish much. And, you know, I don't like bringing this up because it really shouldn't have any bearing on the, on, on anything really. But, you know, you sort of start to wonder is the fact he's dating Ronda Rousey, you know, getting him bigger fights than they sh- he should be. Now this is well, a this problem. was him
2: stepping in though. So I'm going to write this actually, one off. Yeah. It's
1: a different situation because he took the fight on late notice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he, you know, he saved the fight in that sense. But you know, I, I said in my article, I think he's closer to being outside the top ten than he is to being anywhere near a heavyweight contender. It, he just he just doesn't have the skills, and it, he's thirty four years old too. So it's not like he's getting younger. And this is a tough fight where I might avoid using Verdoom simply because I think this could go the distance. You know, their first fight went the distance, so I could see that certainly happening again. But there's little, I had, you know, I didn't hesitate for a second
2: when I picked Verdum to win this fight. Yeah, exactly. All The entire, you and, and me and Evan, we all picked Verdum in this one, so I'm going to be right there with you here. Uh, it, it is interesting, though, because, uh, you know, Verdum has a little bit of a hefty DraftKings price, 10-7 as opposed to Brown, who is uh, 8,700. I, I thought it was interesting because the, co- the main event, heavyweight matchup, the odds to finish are minus 515. The co-main, the odds to finish are minus 170, so... You want to probably get a piece of that main event just in case, even though it's so close. You want to try to get that knockout, but the co-main is, is a little bit there, but I think if you can afford Verdum at 10700 he's an excellent pick because who knows, you could get him into a submission. Brown just hasn't been trending in the right direction of late, and I think Verdoom is going to be able to capitalize and uh, pretty much, I mean, you, you think he's on the back end of his career. You wouldn't notice that because he's been fighting better lately, but at $39, you are typically on the back end there, uh, but I think Verdum can get some more momentum going and and who knows, maybe if he strings off a few in a row, they could give him Kane Velasquez again. I I guess we'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, there's not, there remains, there's not a lot of depth in this division. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Verdum is certainly in that, you know, that second tier we were talking about before. And I'm not even sure Brown's in the third tier. He might be more like the fourth or the fifth tier. Yeah, exactly. Until, until, he, until he goes in there, you know, recently. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, nowadays, and shows me he can do what he did to Overeem or
2: Barnett and, you know 3 years ago I'm staying away. Yeah. I enjoyed his fight against Pitbull Arlovsky. I mean that was one of the better fights i had seen in uh, you know my time it's watching least, fights. But even, but, even in that fight he took a beating. Yeah, he got hit very hard quite a few times there so nothing too encouraging there and, no. and if, he, if he was going to win that one it would have been you know that 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 one one punch basically he was able to recover but that one went back and forth we could we could do a whole and maybe not a whole show but we could talk about that one for a while this,
1: this is one of those i'll you know i'll believe him i'll believe it him you know beating a top fighter when i see it type deals.
2: Exactly here. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the next fight on this card. Continuing going down, this is the one that's going to sell a lot of the pay per views here because we have former WWE star CM Punk, aka Phil Brooks, better known as CM Punk, cult of personality here. Uh, he's going to be taking on Mickey Gall, who is a he's a very young, 24 years old. Uh, a little bit inexperienced but not nearly as inexperienced as Punk in terms of professional MMA fightings and the DraftKings salaries and the odds will tell you that I'm looking at CM Punk has an $8,000 salary I mean that's basically asking WWE fans for some for some free money there and then you got Mickey Gall 11,400 that's like Rousy prices from back in the day uh, and then the odds you know I'm seeing anywhere from plus 300 to plus 375 for Punk uh, minus four hundred to minus four seventy for Gall here, and they think this one's going to be a finish too. Odds to finish are minus five fifty. Seems like nobody's given Punk a chance in this one. Uh, is, is there any way that he can uh, make some noise, or is this one going to go pretty much chalk with uh, him getting finished by Gall?
1: Well, you know what we're what I'm going to say, and you know it's a fact is we have no. Knowledge whatsoever on what this guy can do in a cage. Mm-hmm. None. not Nothing. You know, and he will be 38 years old and I'm talking about Punk. He will be 38 years old next month. He has never had a pro fight. He started doing this, um, you know, roughly, you know, tr- decided to do this about two years ago. Um, he has been banged up for a decent portion of that time period he had shoulder surgery
2: there's a he, back he, procedure was a there.
1: back yeah he had a, he had a back i believe he had back surgery and a shoulder issue so you know it's it's been numerous things and look the guy's a great and this is what i wrote the guy's a great athlete if he ever watches wwe days he is a you know if anybody who can do what he did he's a very very good athlete but he is an older athlete he is getting up there in age and you know i don't i'm not i don't want this to seem like um, I'm doing it. I'm putting him, I'm putting Gall over because Gall's so good, you know, another guy who has two professional fights, mm-hmm. one in one of which was in the UFC against the nobody. So, you know, basically this is, these are two guys who are on the main card of a pay-per-view in a big spot who have two combined professional fights other than, you know, like in an ultimate fighter fight, maybe you will never see that again, ever. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, Gaul was someone that Dana White found on the reality show <laughs> yeah. looking for a fight. He is not any kind of MMA veteran by any means, but he does actually have some experience in the octagon. Yeah. You can you make a much better case for giving the license to, Gaul, to uh, excuse me Gaul than you can to Punk, yeah. but he's going to get it anyway, and and they're going to throw down and they're going to sell there some pay per view. But there
1: bugs. is zero knowledge of what on on either, really either of these guys, and. You can't go by what people say. You know, tra- you know, trainers are going to say, "Oh, it's going great. He's training really well under Duke Rufus in Milwaukee." Mm-hmm. Because there's no way they're going to tell you, you know, he's been terrible. An excellent camp and coach, by the way, of give course. credit for going excellent. to the best. Yeah, I mean, and I, 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 I have faith in Punk's athletic ability and you know, and his desire to do this. I don't think he's doing this as a stunt. I think he is legitimately. Invested in trying to be the best at this as he can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a very, very, very hard sport that he's trying to pick up on the fly at a late age. You know, I don't want to compare this to, you know, what Tim Tebow's doing because, you know, it's obviously different in circumstances. He's but still in his athletic prime, you could right. say. But it's a similar idea in this, you know, in the sense that you're trying to do something that people have worked their entire professional lives to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: out of nowhere. Yep.
2: There's and, five to 10 years of muscle memory, just, just that factor alone that's getting left out when athletes try to do something like this. And I don't I don't have – and I wrote this up. I do not have a problem with the USC's
1: decision to do this because their job is you know, to promote their business. Mm-hmm. And this is going to promote their business. More people who buy this pay-per-view on Sunday – are going to buy this pay-per-view to see CM Punk than anything else. He has more main, He probably has more mainstream name recognition than any other fighter on the card can bot. It. It's not close. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I don't have a problem in what they're doing. But from a DraftKings standpoint, I would stay away from this entirely. I know nothing about CM Punk as an MMA fighter. I know basically nothing about Mickey Galls as an MMA fighter. So... I, I my guess is that if you know I had you know closed my eyes and had fixed something that Gall would go in and wax him simply because he's younger has been doing this longer and you know he just he he has more training mm-hmm.
2: but if you're gonna pay up for someone at eleven thousand four hundred that's what you're banking on you're banking on that first round stoppage yep. so uh, you know Punk is go-
1: the one thing I do believe in Punk is. I believe, you know, and he's, as we said, he's never done this before. My guess is that he's going to come in in shape. I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. So I could see him, you know, lasting the 15 minutes, which immediately, if you're going to pay money for, you know, that insane salary for Gall and he doesn't get a first round finish, you're, not hitting value. you're in huge trouble. So this is, if there are all the fights we've ever broken down on this show, on this podcast, This, to me, is the ultimate stay-away fight. It's going to be a spectacle, and it's going to be fun to watch because we have an unknown factor on both sides. But if anyone tells you that they actually think they can predict what's going to happen on Saturday with these two, they're not telling you the truth.
2: Yes, I I would agree with you 100% here. Well, let's transition from some a couple of fighters that have very little experience to a bantamweight matchup where you have a guy, Uriah Faber with over 40 professional fights, taking on Jimmy Rivera here. R- Faber likely on the back end of his career. Rivera just uh, 27 years old. Look at how they stack up here. DraftKings salaries has it as a wash. They're both 9,700, so essentially a pick 'em. Vegas actually has Rivera as the slight favorite, minus 135, as opposed to Faber being the dog at plus 115. But those are very close odds. That's not too much. That's not too different from what we have in the main event here. Odds to finish on this one are actually plus 130. So we're looking like this might. Uh, this might. Hey, at least Vegas thinks it has a good chance to go the distance here. Uh, John, you got favor in this one. I, I am a, I'm gonna pick favor in this one too. Can you tell me your reasoning behind that?
1: You know, the reasoning for me was simply that Jimmy, for those who don't know, Jimmy Rivera lost his second professional fight in November of 2008, and he mm-hmm. hasn't lost since. Mm-hmm. He's won 18 and one, yep, 18 fights in a row, and if you look at the 18 guys that he has beaten in a row, the casual, even a hardcore MMA fan probably would have heard of about three of them, maybe four. Mm-hmm. The guy just says he has not fought anybody. And the other, the other thing that I, that I look at is almost all of hit all of those 18 wins, you know, the vast majority of them, I'm talking, you know, 13 or 14 of them are from are via decision. Exactly. And Uriah Faber, At his age, um, you know, he turned 37 in May. He cannot compete with Dominic Cruz, which we just saw. He wouldn't be able to compete, I don't think, against T.J. Dillashaw. There are plenty of bantamweights that he can't beat at his age anymore. But no no one comes in in better shape. No one is more committed to the sport. And until Jimmy Rivera shows me that he can go out there and beat a guy who still has skills, just because of... You know, I don't think Faber can beat those top guys anymore. doesn't mean he's not, you know, a top five bantamweight. He just isn't on the level of Cruz, who might be, you know, one of the five best pound-for-pound fighters in the
2: world. Exactly. Cruz is number, so, I mean, take with yeah. the UFC rankings, what you will, but Cruz is number two right behind Mighty Mouse in terms of pound-for-pound yeah. top there's, fighters.
1: Yeah, there's, there, and the biggest, other than the fact I've never seen Rivera beat anybody big, important, the biggest thing to me is he's not a guy with a lot of power. And if you're not a guy with a lot of power, you're going to have to, you know, probably win a decision from Uriah Faber. And I'm not taking a guy to outwork Uriah Faber over 15 minutes. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Faber you knows know. exactly yeah. what needs to be done. You to might win not the have a decision. Might not have this, You know, Faber might not have the skill set to beat Dominic Cruz over 25 minutes. But you know, Dominic Cruz didn't decision Uriah Faber because Dominic Cruz is in better shape. Ryan Faber was in great shape. He always is. Mm-hmm. So until Jimmy Rivera shows me that he is can, you know, beat someone that, you know, as good as Faber is, I'm not taking him. And this is one of those fights where I think Vegas has it right in the odds to finish fight. This fight's probably especially over 15 minutes and not 25 minutes, this is a fight that's probably gonna go the distance, in which case
2: you have two guys who are poor plays. Mm -hmm. yeah so another good DraftKings play but you gotta I mean with both of them being under 10,000 maybe consider someone like Faber for some salary relief but the salaries aren't far enough apart for you to be able to profit from picking an upset a ton here so uh, I think we can both agree on Faber here but again only if you have to on DraftKings depending on how the rest of your lineup is rolling out here Uh, but let's move on to the fight that kicks off Saturday's pay-per-view that will be a women's strawweight matchup between Jessica Raj and Joanne Calderwood Uh, Raj is checks in at 9900 Calderwood 9500 Andraja minus 145 favorite the odds to finish on this one they're pretty close we've got plus 115 here uh this is an interesting one John a good matchup both ranked straw weights here eventually one of these two women I imagine will get a shot at uh some of the top contenders there uh, how do you see this one playing out this is a good fight and this is one of
1: those cases where my pick to win and the better DraftKings kings play are two different things my pick to win was Calderwood because I think she has the better all-around game. I think Andrade is, Andrade is probably the better DraftKings play simply because her style of fighting is based on power. Um, you know she, she is probably the most muscular fighter in the women's troy division to the point where I am actually honestly shocked that with her body frame that she's able to get to that 116-bound limit. So the difference is Andrade's last fight against Jessica Penne um, in June, Jessica Penne is notorious for standing in front of her opponents and allowing um, you know, allowing her opponents to unload with punches while she doesn't move. That's not going to be the case here. Calderwood is a very good athlete. She has very good footwork. So Andrade is not going to be able to just unload on her and Calderwood's going to stand there and take it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this is – I I picked Calderwood to win because, like I said, I think she has more ways to win. But Andrade's power alone might make her the better DraftKings play. But again, I, whenever I see a fighter as muscular as she is somehow
2: cut to that weight, it just gives me pause. But this is a really good fight. Yeah. I was going to say that I, I'm picking Andrade in this fight because I think physically she's going to be bigger and, has more, and it will have more power behind her punches. But a lot of that before I actually insert her into my DraftKings lineup, I'm going to watch uh, the weigh-ins on Friday and just make sure she's looking good and ready to go. And I think the new weigh-in procedure, she could benefit from that. Getting that earlier opportunity to weigh in instead of going up on the scale. But as, as a bigger physical fighter with that knockout power, uh, you mentioned she has great DraftKings potential. I think that's why I'm picking her. Uh, not to discount Calderwood. A lot of heart. Some solid technique there. I think she, she can out last the decision she can knock she can knock ladies out i think it'll be a good fight to kick things off yeah this this
1: i i think this is what we were we mentioned on the heavyweight uh you know fu- main event fight you know there's not much separation here and it you know it's either it's kind of are you going to take Andrade's power which probably makes the better DraftKings play or are you going to take probably what is calderwood's better all-around game but I, I agree with you i think it's a good idea to watch the weigh-ins here and see how Andraj looks, but it's definitely gonna benefit her and pretty much everybody moving forward who might have difficulty getting to the weight. Um, you know, th- this new weighing procedure is going to. Help those
2: fighters. Yeah, including CM Punk, by the way. I think he's got to do a little bit of a cut to get to 170. So, just kind of a side yeah, note there. He, he
1: said earlier today that um, you know that he felt
2: great. So, all right,
1: that's good news. We're gonna we're gonna you know, there's a lot of this whole card is. Full of
2: a lot of unanswered questions that we're going to figure out where to learn about a lot of people on Saturday. All right. Well, uh, hopefully, we'll help uh, our listeners answer some of those questions on DraftKings uh, when it comes to value play. Someone at maybe a lower price, or even someone at a reasonable price that's that, that's close to a lock here. Who jumps out as you at you in terms of value on DraftKings?
1: Um, I'll give you two. The first one that um, came to my mind was Koheya for her fight against Jessica I. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Sipe Miocic. is from the Cleveland area, so she'll have a you know the hometown crowd behind her. But Jessica I gets by on a lot of grit, and um, she's basically a kickboxer. So I think Cohe definitely has power. Um, you know her her you know ten second loss to run or whatever it was to Ronza Rousey. Um, regard you know, notwithstanding. So um, you know she's a fighter to look at as a potential as a potential sleeper. And the other one I would say to take a look at is Sean Spencer for his fight against Yancey Medeiros. Um, Medeiros is probably a slightly better fighter, but there is not much separating those two fighters, certainly not enough to to make Medeiros you know, the favorite that he is. So th- those are two fighters that I would look at, Spencer and Cohea. And, you know, it, it's a shame because the fight I was looking to the most on the undercard, which we talked about before we went on the air, was... You know the Ray Borg fight against um Ian against Ian McCall that ended up not happening mm-hmm. because once
2: again um McCall McCall just can't catch a break. Yeah, it's twice in a row now for Uncle Creepy here who was so, uh, supposed to be fighting but not quite not quite yet there. Um, well, yeah, you
1: know a couple of the issues were his own. You know he had a, he had a couple injury issues. Mm-hmm.
2: There were a couple, and then
1: you know back to back fights. Now his opponent had to withdraw on late notice. So um, Ian McCall is a good guy. And, you know, a really underrated fighter. It always has been. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, they can get him, you know, uh, a fight that takes place soon
2: because he's a lot of fun to watch. Exactly. Uh, Before we move on, I just want to throw out a couple of value plays on my side. Uh, uh, Because I'm picking over him and he's only 9,600 and I like his knockout power, I I think you can get some value there if you believe he'll win that fight. Other than that, uh, I mean, Nick Lentz is only 10,200 going up against Michael McBride. But the odds here have him as about anywhere from a minus 400 to a minus 450 favorite. So one of the first things I look at when assembling DraftKings lineup is is the difference between salary disparity and odds disparity, and the Lentz fight takes the cake here in this one. Um, But uh, before we wrap up today, John, uh, for those users or or listeners that are tuning in, want to see the undercards here, uh, any other big undercard fight that you're going to tune in early for?
1: You know, like I said before, it's a shame, because the McCall-Borg fight was really, really good. That would have helped the Fox ratings a, a whole lot, I think. Yeah, it would have. It, you know, you have a really, you know, veteran in McCall who's been through a lot, and you have Borg, who is widely considered to be one of, you know, the brighter prospects, you know, in the sport. But, um, you know, one fight that's, um, you know, an early one that I think is at least be entertaining is, um, the Cb Dalloway versus France Barbarossa fight. Um, you know, Dalwey is certainly on the back end of his career but um you know they're both two guys who tend to you know try to push the pace so while i don't know if it's a fight that's going to have a lot of implications ranking wise and you know in the title picture i think that's two guys who at least will put forth something that's you know entertaining to watch
2: Mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna have to check in right around seven eastern for that that'll be on the ufc fight pass early prelims here Alright, well uh, thank you again for joining me, John uh, And thank you to our listeners, as always For listening to the RotoWire wire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast uh, Once again, John Littering joined me today At John Littering on Twitter I'm Jake Letarski, you can follow me at JakeSki52 Thanks again, John, we'll be back with you all Prior to UFC 204 Bisbing versus Henderson Thank you They're gonna kill the love of my life Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing
0: Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal a truck. Bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide. Now playing. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.